Hi there, I'm Sue Elvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 124. And today I'm going to be talking about does unschooling work? But I've also got a lot of other things that I'd like to share with you. To start, this podcast is brought to you by my fabulous patron supporters, Vanessa, Cricket, Tara, Nikki, Mary, Hazel, and Vlad. And I would just like to thank all those wonderful people who have made pledges so that I can continue blogging and podcasting, yet spreading the message about unschooling. I was really thrilled to get your pledges. As I was telling you last week, I have joined Patreon, and I'm hoping that by doing this, I will be able to cover the costs of blogging and podcasting, which can add up sometimes. In the week when I got the emails saying, you have a new patron. Yes, I smiled. I thought, wow, somebody is valuing what I'm doing. And it was a big encouragement to me this week. I wanted to go out there, write another blog post, make another video, record this podcast. So I'm going to share what I have been doing this week. But I would like to invite you to go over to Patreon and have a look at what I am doing, what it is all about. And if you feel able to make a pledge, it would make a tremendous difference to me. Yes, if you feel that what I'm doing is helpful, if you feel it's valuable, perhaps you have been helped yourself by something that I have spoken about or written about. Of course, I understand that not everybody is going to be in a position to make a Patreon pledge, and that's okay. Just keep on listening, keep on reading my blog. I hope you will continue to do that. Now that I have a few patron supporters, and I'm earning a few dollars each month, I think that I can no longer use my theme music. Yes, I was using it under certain conditions, and one of those was non-commercial. So a few days ago, I was browsing the internet looking for some replacement music, looking for something that was free, but I could use it in any way that I want. Well, I did find a lot of that type of music, but I didn't find much that I actually liked, that I thought was appropriate to this podcast. So the search is still going on. But hopefully by the time I upload this podcast and publish it in a couple of days' time, it will have some new theme music. I guess I could always use the music that I used for my very first episode, that piece of music I bought. I don't really want to make it my theme music uh, long term. Yes, I would like something fresh, but it would fill the gap for now. The music I have been using is called Twombly by Poddington Bear. I really love his music. He allows creators to use his music for free, as long as we're not using it for a commercial purpose. So if you do have videos or some other project that needs background music or theme music, why don't you go over to Sound of Picture and have a look at what Paddington Bear has to offer. 
He has lots and lots of different types of music arranged in many albums. Talking of theme music makes me think of my daughter Imogen and her music. You might know that my daughter is a musician, she's a singer and a pianist, and for the last couple of years she has been trying to establish herself on YouTube as a musician. She has been recording cover versions of songs that she likes and songs that other people have requested. But you might have noticed that I haven't been talking about music videos recently and if you subscribe to Imogen's YouTube channel, you will know that she hasn't released any new videos for the last couple of months. At the moment, she's taking a break from her music and she's concentrating on her book instead. Yeah, she's one of these creative people that has two big passions, writing and music. I guess it's pretty common that creative people have more than one interest. I move from one thing to another as well. So Imogen's book is almost ready to be formatted and published. She's working through the manuscript again for proofreading. I know from experience that little errors slip by and you have to keep on going back and forth, looking and reading and looking very carefully at everything. I guess our eyes get tired. They pass over mistakes. And that's why a fresh pair of eyes is always a great help. And I've been trying to help Imogen with her manuscript, except I keep getting distracted by my own work. I feel a bit bad about this. But yes, there is always so much to do. Imogen formatted and published my books for me, my children's novels. So she knows all about working with Creative Space, with Amazon Kindle, how to get a book looking just right. It's amazing the skills that we all pick up when we're pursuing our interests. Who would have thought a few years ago that we would be not only writing books but formatting them and publishing them and, of course, promoting them? Though I must say that I'm not very good at the last one. I can't even promote my blog or my podcast very well. As I was saying last week, I am really heading out of my comfort zone when I talk about Patreon. I had to get over my fears first. Would anybody think that my podcast and my blog are worth supporting? Are my books worth reading? Yes, sometimes we lack self-confidence, we doubt our talents, and we don't want to put our work out there in the world for other people to potentially criticize. Though I heard something really interesting the other day. It is very easy to be a critic. It is not so easy to be a creator. But I suppose critics don't think about that. They just feel they have a right to give their opinion and that's okay because I think we do need other people's feedback about our work. But some critics don't think very carefully about the way they present the feedback. And they end up discouraging us, making us wish that we hadn't been brave and offered our projects, our writings, whatever it is that we're doing, for other people to come along and share. But of course, we've got to get over this. 
If we have talents, we've got to use them. We have to let other people share them. Otherwise, how are we ever going to do work that will make a difference? We can't keep things to ourselves. Other people need to hear what we're saying. They need to enjoy our stories. Whatever it is that we're doing. Now, not everybody is going to enjoy, for example, a particular book, but a lot of people will. So we have to stay positive, try not to worry, and just get out there and do it. So I wonder if anybody else has created something that they would like to share with the world. Some people seem so confident; they just go out there, tell people about what they're doing. Hey, I've written this book. Come and read it. Can I promote it on your blog? And other people, well, it is more difficult. I was thinking about being an introverted person who is also a sensitive person, and how doing things in public is probably more difficult than it is for an extroverted person. But that's not an excuse. It's just a challenge. Talking about writing books leads me now on to the topic of nanowrimo or Camp Nanowrimo, National Novel Writing Month, and that's what April is. This month, all over the world, people are at their computers writing novels. Well, actually, because it's Camp Nanowrimo, instead of writing a novel, they might be writing poetry or nonfiction. Or they might be editing a book. A couple of my girls are writing novels. Imogen is working on another novel. Now that she's got to the end of this one and it's almost ready for publishing, she's thinking about another one. Though I tell you, she has about、oh, I don't know seventeen, eighteen, nineteen novels waiting to be edited, including the sequel to the one that she is working on for publication at the moment. And that's good news because I read her book, and she left it at a point where I said to her, "I want to hear more. What happens next?" So I'm glad that she has been writing that book. That she's got the first draft at least on paper, or oh, I suppose on computer. But having a lot of novels waiting to be edited doesn't stop someone from writing a new one. Yes, Camp Nanorimo is a perfect opportunity to let your imagination go wild, get some more words down, to enjoy writing something new. Now, Gemma Rose has just turned fourteen. She has been writing novels, I think, since she was seven, following the example of her older sisters. I think when young children have a good example, when they see older people doing things. They think they can do them as well. I don't think it ever occurred to Gemma Rose that she wasn't capable of writing a novel, and she has written a number of them. When I sit in our family room with the window open, I can hear this strange noise: thump, 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 and it always makes me think for a moment: what's that noise? And then I realise that it's Gemma Rose sitting at her computer. On the other side of the wall, her fingers are pounding up and down on the keyboard keys. The sound is going out of her bedroom window, 
and wafting into the family room window, and I can hear it. Yes, she types at a furious rate. I think it's day nine of Camp Nanorimo, and most writers try to write fifty thousand words by the end of the month. Fifty thousand words in thirty days. Well, Gemma Rose tells me she's already passed the fifty thousand word mark, and I tell you this to illustrate the fact that kids can work hard. Especially when they are passionate about something, she is involved with her novel, with her story, and she wants to see where it will go. She also loves a challenge. Fifty thousand words in thirty days. She'll see how fast she can get those fifty thousand words written. Typing furiously, all my girls type with all their fingers, and they have never had. A typing lesson at all. I type with a few fingers, and I sometimes think I should do one of these online courses, learn how to type properly. So, how do my girls learn to type if they have never been shown how to? If they never did any typing exercises? If they never did an online course? Well, I was wondering if it's something to do with the fact that they are pianists. They use all their fingers when they're playing the piano, so it's kind of second nature to use all their fingers. And also, I think that kids figure things out very easily for themselves. When they have a need, they just go out there and learn how to do it. I had to laugh one day. Gemma Rose and I went over to the website for the words. For the words encourages. People to write more words. It's sort of like a game. The game is running in the background, and you move to new levels, unlock things, according to how many words you type. So maybe you have a goal of typing two thousand words a day. To encourage you to actually type those words, you might be encouraged by the thought that you can move on a level in the game, unlock something, get a reward. I think the game is based around a fantasy story, and that's right up my girls' alley. They love fantasy fiction. Anyway, Gemma Rose had a thirty-day trial. I think it was last November when she was doing Nano Rimo, and to set it up, I sat next to her and we had a look at it together. Not that I was much help. I think she could have worked it out far better by herself. But I was interested. I wanted to see what it was all about, and. To illustrate how the site works, there were a few exercises, and one of these said, "Type so many words in sixty seconds." And I said to Gemma Rose, "Would you like to do it?" And she said, "No, Mum, you have a go." So I thought quickly about what I could type about, and I started typing, trying to beat the clock. Well, I got the words written. I didn't do too badly, but when I finished and I was feeling very satisfied with myself, I turned around and looked at Gemma Rose, and she was smiling. And I said to her, "Well, how did I do?" And she said, "Mum, you did fine, considering you're handicapped." And I looked at her, raised my eyebrows, and said, "What do you mean?" She says, "Mum, you only type with a few of your fingers." So that was pretty good for somebody who's not typing properly. Yeah, handicapped. I sort of get dumb. All I need to do in my funny way of typing, but perhaps I ought to, as I said, go and learn how to type properly. Use all my fingers.
I want to talk about a new podcast idea now. I recently explained this podcast idea in the latest edition of my newsletter, and also in a blog post. I very briefly mentioned it a few podcasts ago. I said I had two podcast ideas, and I said, "Don't let me forget about them. Give me a nudge if you don't hear anything." Well, nobody said anything. Maybe you all think that I have so many ideas that some of them don't actually go ahead. And that's quite true. But this one I have put into action. Well, the first one I have as well, because that was the Patreon idea. It just took me a few weeks to actually come to the point of deciding to go ahead with that idea. But the other one, I was just waiting for an appropriate time. Because I like this idea, and this idea is to collaborate with other unschoolers, to ask other people to record their experiences, their stories about unschooling, and then incorporate their contributions into my regular podcasts. Now, this isn't an interviewing idea. I don't really want to change my podcast. I don't really want to turn it into an interviewing one. And besides, I think I might worry about the speed of our internet if I was continually interviewing people. Yes, our internet isn't that good. We had an upgrade recently, which was wonderful. Now we don't have to wait five minutes or more sometimes to change a web page, but it's still not the best. And that's because we live in a regional area, in a village, and we just don't have. The right infrastructure for a good internet connection, good internet speed. Nothing we can do about that, so I'm just working with it. But anyway, back to my podcast idea. Now, the other day, I emailed an unschooling blogger called Hamilton. Now, Hamilton lives with his family in San Francisco, and I remember chatting to Hamilton in the comments of my blog about free-range kids, and we had quite a good discussion. And I thought, wouldn't it be wonderful if Hamilton could come on my podcast and share his thoughts about free-range kids and what he's doing with his family? So I emailed Hamilton and I said, "Hey, would you like to be on my podcast? Would you like to record yourself talking about free-range kids? Maybe you can use your phone or whatever. As long as the audio quality is good, good enough for my podcast, I don't see that it is a problem having recordings that other people have done that they have sent me." And as I said, I can incorporate them into my regular podcast. Yeah, just go to Audacity, just slot it in, in the file at the appropriate time. And so Hamilton very, very kindly agreed to record something for me. And yesterday he sent me a sample of what he was saying, his conversation, and it's really good. He's got his kids involved as well. We hear from them. And so I'm hoping to do a podcast on free-range kids maybe next week if Hamilton has finished his recording to his satisfaction by that time, if not the week after. I want him to be totally happy with what he has said before giving it to me. And I think this is an advantage of not doing a live interview, but instead asking people to record their own conversations. Maybe it's less intimidating. 
Because being interviewed can be quite nerve-wracking. What will the interviewer ask? Will I be able to come up with the perfect answer on the spot? I was interviewed a couple of years ago, and I am sure the interview was a disaster. I have never listened to it. Yes, I don't think it was my finest moment. But the interviewer told me that it was fine. It would sound wonderful once it had been edited. I think that she probably had to wave her magic wand over it. But yes, afterwards, of course, I thought of all the perfect answers, the perfect words that I should have used when I was being interviewed. But by that time, it was too late. So I'm hoping that my way of doing things will appeal to some people. If you feel apprehensive about being interviewed, maybe you will like this idea instead. So I'm looking for contributions. I already have three. I have Hamilton's. And Cricket has offered to talk about her own family's unschooling life, a glimpse into their day, their week, their year, which I'm very excited about because when Cricket emailed me about it, her words were full of passion. And Vanessa, she's going to talk about how unschooling lets her kids learn in very different ways. Yes, kids have different personalities, even though they belong to the same family. So what do you think? Do you like the sound of that idea? Would you listen to podcasts that have contributions from other unschoolers? Personally, I think the contributions will make my podcasts more attractive. Yes, it won't just be me talking. So if you would like to be part of my podcast, please stop by my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, and let me know. If you leave me a comment, I will email you back, and we can chat about things, look at the possibilities, I could answer any questions. Perhaps you're not quite sure about this idea. Perhaps you're a bit apprehensive about what you might say. Will other people criticize your contribution? Will they like your ideas? Well, people are very kind. My listeners are especially kind. And I think that we don't have to pretend to be perfect. We don't have to present ourselves as unschooling in a particular way. We can be honest to share the things that we are passionate about. If there is some aspect of unschooling that really appeals to you, I would love to hear it. So I think that's all I'm going to say about this podcast idea. I just need some more contributions. While I was talking about podcast contributions, I mentioned my unschooling newsletter. I wrote a newsletter the other day. It had been months since my last edition. Probably all my newsletter subscribers had given up on me. Would I ever produce another newsletter? What happened to me? Why did I disappear? Why wasn't I sending out any new editions? Well, the problem was spam. A few months ago, my inbox got inundated with emails, all starting with the words, You have a new subscriber. This could have been very exciting because there were lots and lots of these emails, but they were all spam. 
And every time somebody subscribes to my newsletter, their name and email address gets added to a list. And that is because we need an email address to send the newsletter to you. And I knew that I'd have to go and sort through this list and find all the fake subscribers, sort the good from the bad, before I could send out a new newsletter. And I really didn't want to go and do this job. Yeah, I thought, wow, it's going to take me ages to do this. I sort of thrust it from my mind and thought, I'll do that one day, another day, not today. And so the weeks went by and the weeks went by. And then a few days ago, I thought, I really feel like writing a newsletter. Perhaps it's time for me to go and sort that problem out. And when I went and signed into my email newsletter account, I discovered that the problem was very easy to solve. It didn't take me very long at all. And that's probably the way it is with a lot of what looks like difficult things. We just don't want to start. The job looks like it's going to be hard work. And so we put it off and put it off. But if only we dived in and started tackling the job, we soon get things done. And then things are okay again. So my newsletter is back in production. And if you are not a subscriber, I invite you to subscribe. And you can use the form in the sidebar of my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. I would love it if you joined my newsletter community. And if you are already a subscriber, perhaps you can look in your inbox for your copy of the newsletter. I know a lot of people haven't yet opened the emails. Next, I want to tell you about a new video that I made. I made it yesterday afternoon using the website Powtoon. This website allows you to make animated videos. It's a very clever program. And I got an email the other day saying my subscription is due for renewal. And I thought, I haven't been over to Powtoon for a while. Perhaps I ought to go over there, make a video, and then decide if it's worth my while having a subscription, whether I should pay for another year's subscription. Last week I was telling you how I am hoping to spend the money that I'm pledged by my patron supporters. Hosting fees for my blog and this podcast are at top of the list, but also to buy some equipment for recording videos, recording podcasts, and software as well. And Powtoons comes into this category. If I can afford to use sites like Powtoons, I can create some videos that might promote unschooling in a creative way. Catch people's eyes. So that's what I did yesterday. I made a 60-second video called What is Unschooling? Now, I limited myself to 60 seconds because of Instagram, because I posted it there first. But it is also on YouTube, and I put it in my Patreon feed as well. Also, 60 seconds is a good time. Most people have 60 seconds to watch a video. So I hope you will take a look at that. What is unschooling in 60 seconds? I got the idea of making the video 
because I was browsing my own YouTube videos. I was looking for things that I might include in my unschooling book. And I have made another video called What is Unschooling? It's a video where I'm answering this question in person. I think I spoke for about eight minutes. I watched the video and it's still okay, but I think I could do a better job. So I might remake that video when I have time. Another video in the same series is one called Does Unschooling Work? And after making my first 60 second video, I'm now thinking that I might make another one with the title Does Unschooling Work? I will have to condense down all the things that I would like to say about the subject into a few key points. A bit of a challenge, but I'm up for it. I think I can do it. So watch out for that one soon. But anyway, we're on to the main topic of the day. It has taken me a long time to get here. Does unschooling work? I suppose this is a question at the top of most people's minds when they're considering unschooling. It's a sensible type question. Why would you go and do something that in your eyes doesn't work? You want to find out all about it first. See what the end result is before you start. The question, does unschooling work, isn't the only question. First, I think we have to discuss the question, what do we mean by work? What do we hope to get out of unschooling our kids? Where do we hope our kids will go? What type of people do we hope that they will become? We all might have different ideas about what the word work means. We might unschool for different reasons, or we may choose not to unschool because in our eyes, it might not have the end product that we were hoping for. So I'm going to discuss this a little bit more. I think most parents, when they're looking at unschooling, are looking at it as a method of homeschooling. They might compare it to Charlotte Mason or classical studies or unit studies or school at home or something else. Maybe they're comparing them all and thinking, which method works the best? Which method is going to give my child all the knowledge that she needs? And when parents are at this stage, maybe they're looking for a method that will give their kids good grades. They might want their children to go on to university. Will unschooling give our kids a good education, an education that will allow them to go on to some kind of tertiary education? Will unschooling lead to a good job, a well-paying job, maybe a secure job? Will unschooling set our kids up for life? So I think this is what many people think of when they say, does unschooling work? Well, I do believe that unschoolers will get a good education. But a good education can look different to different people. Some people want their kids to learn the academic subjects traditionally taught by schools. They want their kids to get certificates and good grades. Other people like us aren't so concerned about that. We know that there are other valuable ways of getting an education. 
Being able to pass a maths test for us isn't important. Being able to use math skills is. Our family values creative things especially. Things which schools don't value quite as much. So yes, unschoolers will get a good education. Will they be able to go to university? Well, yes, if they want to. And I think that is the key point, if they want to. My first five children have all studied at university. Two of them have Bachelor of Arts degrees. One has a Master's of Teaching. And Charlotte, she is finishing up her Bachelor of Arts degree this year. Two of my other children didn't finish their degrees, but not because they were unable to. They just felt led down different pathways. They knew that the university courses that they were doing weren't for them. But that doesn't mean they didn't pass them, that they weren't capable of studying them. They did very well. Yes, so unschooling children can get into university if that's what they want to do. In fact, they might have an easier time of getting into university if they're going to study some of their passions and interests at a higher level because they've already got a good basis of knowledge. They're already passionate about their subject. They go off to university with an advantage over school leavers. Well, all unschooled kids get a secure job, a well-paying job. And the answer to this one is not necessarily which might worry some people. Because I think that some unschoolers will choose passion over safe. They will want to follow their interests, look for alternate ways of supporting themselves. They won't go for the secure and safe jobs because that's not enough for them. They're willing to take some risks. I think this is entirely okay because we need people who are more concerned about developing and sharing their talents than they are about money and safe careers. We're back to the topic of, does the world need unschooling? Of course it does. We need to raise people who want to go out there and make a difference in the world by sharing their skills, their talents, their interests. People who want to do valuable and important work who are more concerned about helping other people than they are about setting themselves up for life. We're talking about our children's talents. Will unschooling allow them to develop their talents? Well, of course it will. But do parents value that? Do they value the talents that their children have? That's often a stumbling block. Parents feel that they know better, that they want to push their children in a certain direction. And it's all because they're worried about security, about their kids getting a good job. Maybe they feel it will be too hard for their kids if they do allow them to go where they want to go, to spend time uh, developing the talents that they have. Maybe they can't see where it could possibly lead. But I do think talents are part of who our kids are. Our kids aren't complete without their talents. I've written about this a few times. I do believe that our kids are not fully themselves unless they are involved with their passions. Yes, some part of them is being suppressed, not being allowed to be used. 
And we are back again to the thought that talents have to be developed because they have to be shared with the world. We have to do good work using our talents. And not just parents, but children as well. In my 60 second video, I ask the question, could unschooling be about becoming the people we are meant to be? Yes, developing our talents, which are part of us, but also becoming better people, people who know right from wrong, people who will work hard, who will care about other people, who are compassionate, who will love. They will love because they are loved. And I think love is the most powerful thing in the world. We can change the world through love. And so that is another outcome of unschooling. Talents aren't only creative things like music and art or academic things like maths and science or vocational things like helping people by nursing. No, it is also about loving. Some people have a great capacity for love, for compassion, for trying to understand other people. And that's a talent in itself. So if we look upon unschooling as becoming the people we are meant to be, I think that unschooling works. Yes, by unschooling, we will become those people. It just depends upon whether that is the most important thing to us, growing and developing and learning and becoming people who will make a difference, the sort of people we all know we should be. Now I'm sure all parents want kids to grow into people who do know right from wrong, who are good people, but maybe that gets buried sometimes under their concerns about academic success and the ability to get a good, well-paying job. Maybe some unschoolers are able to achieve everything. But whether unschooling works or not, it doesn't matter to me. I feel that this is the way of life we should be living. It's the right thing to do. It's the right way of life, I think, for everybody to live. Convincing other people of that, though, is another matter. Well, I think I've come almost to the end of episode 124. I have no idea of how long I have been speaking, but it feels a long time. My computer is turned the other way on another desk a bit further along. I put it there so that the hum of my computer doesn't get picked up by my mic, and so I can't see the time. Can't see how many minutes have ticked by since I introduced this episode. So I suppose I better say goodbye. But before I do that, just some roundup things. It is the school holidays at the end of the week, which we're all looking forward to very much. Not because we can throw our arms in the air and say, hey, I'm so glad the term is over. Hooray, the school holidays have come. Because we never feel like that. We always enjoy whatever we're doing. And I'm sure our day-to-day -day activities aren't going to change next week. I'll still be doing things with blogging and podcasting. 
Gemma Rose and Imogen will still be writing their novels. Imogen will still be formatting her book. Charlotte will still be working on her uni course. But Sophie won't be going to work. She'll be home with us next week and so will my husband Andy, who is a school teacher. Sophie just cannot wait until Thursday evening because that means that she can return to being a full-time unschooler for two whole weeks. Sophie will be 17 next month. She has been working for the last year and a half. Yes, she started working when she was 15, which is good in some ways and not so good in others. I feel that she has missed out on a lot of good free time for her unschooling passions because she has been at work. But on the other hand, she's gained other skills and she's earned her own money. She's bought cameras and other kind of equipment, which has furthered her passion of photography and videography. But having to get up every morning at quarter past five or half past five, whatever it is, go out to work and not get home again till five in the evening and then having to go to bed early and start it all over again the next day. She hasn't had much free time for just experimenting and exploring her interests. And I've missed her as well. We haven't been able to take so many walks with the dogs and discuss ideas and air our opinions. But for the next two weeks, we shall be able to do all that. It looks like we will have very good weather for the holidays. Actually, the weather is too good. We're coming to the middle of autumn and by this time of the year, the weather usually has cooled down considerably. We live in an area with cold winters, not snow cold, though we have had a sprinkling of snow some winters, but we do get frosts. The nights can get below freezing point. We wear coats. We've even got gloves and scarves. Probably my friends who do live in very cold areas would laugh when they see us all dressed up in our coats and things, going outside, they'd probably go outside in their t-shirts. But, yes, it's what you get used to. But autumn doesn't seem to want to arrive. All the trees are changing into their autumn colours. But it is still hot. Today's forecast was for 31 degrees Celsius. We've got a warm wind as well. There are a few bushfires burning around us, but fortunately for us, they are ones that have been deliberately lit, the hazard reduction fires. So it seems rather warm to do that kind of burning. When we went running this morning, about quarter past six, there was a lot of smoke in the air. And when we drove into town yesterday, as we came down the hill into town, we could see a big blanket of smoke ahead of us. This is not so good, but it will mean that next summer there will be less likelihood that we will have bushfires. So, on to a few last things. Where can you find me? Well, you can find me on my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. That's where I will put the show notes. You can also find me on Instagram. I've been fairly active over there recently, really enjoying posting a few photos and also that video yesterday. And as I've said, please sign up if you'd like for my newsletter. And also go over to Patreon and see what I have been up to. You. One last thing that you could check out is Sophie's latest blog. It's called Mission Survive 
Holy Week. Sophie has been making a weekly vlog, and this one is about the week before Easter, and also the Easter weekend, and all the things I talked about last week: the Passion Play, our Easter egg hunt, ah,、uh, singing our favorite Easter hymn. Well, Sophie filmed all those events. So, if you'd like to go and get a visual taste of our Holy Week and our Easter, please head over to Sophie's YouTube channel, Sophie Elvis, or you could go over to my blog because I embed her vlogs there. That's difficult to say. Yes, just scroll down to the end of the homepage, and you will see that vlog. I'm sure Sophie would be thrilled if you spent the time and watched it. I shall be back next week with another episode of this podcast. It might be the free range kids one, or something else. We will see. But until then, I would like to thank you for listening today, and I hope you have a wonderful week. And until next time, don't forget to trust, respect, and love unconditionally.